Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. One of the last public gatherings that I was at was at Roos Chris Steakhouse uh, back on March 12th. It was a Thursday. It was the day the NHL paused, and uh, Louis DeBrusque and myself and a cast of thousands were at an event with John Winwick. Uh, it was a great time. And uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse, the greatest steak you've ever had. Edmonton owned and operated, open from Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until close. Head down to 1990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Brendan, Maggie, and Taylor and the staff at, o- at Roos Chris that Oilers now sent you. All right. Uh, just before, and I've already mentioned uh, Jim Harrison on today's show. We're getting a couple texts. Cam has uh, taken time to send us uh, a text to say, hey, thanks for bringing up Jim Harrison. Interesting storytelling on the whole combination with the NHLPA and Alan Eagleson. Also on the state in 1985, the USFL named Herschel Walker the MVP. Walker was finishing up his third year. He played 83, 84, 85 in the USFL, and guess, oh, guess who the owner of the New Jersey Generals was in 1985? Donald Trump. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you, along with the big man, Louis DeBrusque. He's our headliner on Truculent Thursdays. Louis DeBras for touchback safety. Touchback remains open for training, taking all necessary precautions to ensure the safety of their staff and clients. How you doing, Louis? I'm doing pretty well today, Bob. Thanks. I like that truculent Thursday. Yeah. There, but yeah, I was thinking back to that uh, little gathering we had right as the the COVID was starting to really the pandemic was on. We really started to figure out what was going on and everything started to shut down. We got that one right into the wire, but I just remember having conversations at the dinner table that night with people saying, you know, I wonder how serious this is going to get because it sounds like it's starting to get serious and boy, did it ever change in a hurry, but we got one last really, really good meal in before we had to shut her down and isolate for a couple of months. Yeah, no question. Well, it's, I mean, it's been, look, it's been the biggest story, you know, maybe it's one of the biggest stories in our lifetime. There's really no other way to say it. I mean, we haven't had a world war. This has been a battle, and that's, and we'll get to sort of the NHL, NHLPA angle a little bit later on. I want to have some fun. Louis, yesterday I swung by. I saw my man Bob Ridley. He's my dentist. His dad's the longtime play-by-play voice of the uh, Medicine Hat uh, Tigers. Uh, we did about an hour and a half worth of work. And uh, as you know, because you've sat uh, in the aisle next to me on the plane, I've, I've cracked and lost a few teeth over the years. And I'll be honest, usually at the expense of uh, blue whales. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I've cracked a few too, Bob. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, popcorn was my culprit. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was. That's uh, funny. Along those lines, I was told by a dentist that all the fights that I did early in my career, I had early in my career, where I didn't wear a mouth guard, and you know, Marty McSorley, Donald Brashear, just a couple to remember where they caught me with really good shots, Sandy McCarthy, and those clanking of my teeth that you know hitting together. 
there was hairline fractures in my molars. So I pretty much had every molar capped now because those hairline fractures, you bite into a piece of popcorn and you hit the kernel and it would just explode. My, my molar would just explode in two and I'd have to go get it fixed. But that's what they said. It was those hairline fractures from not wisely wearing a mouse guard early in my career. All right. You can text us on our Ashley Fine Floors text line. What breaks your teeth? Uh, for me, it's, uh, what are they, Swedish berries and blue whales. And I do have a sweet tooth, so I'm the first to admit to it. I've, I've, I've never actually had a tooth knocked out, Louie, in a fight. And, uh, you know, I, 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 got, I lost a couple uh, off the ice uh, when I was a kid growing up. But, you know, probably had 30 or 40 and got my ass handed to me at least two or three times. Uh, but I never, I never had any teeth knocked out. Did you ever have a tooth knocked out in a fight? You know, I didn't. Um, it's funny you should say that. I never had one uh, blown out. I've had a couple chipped. Um, I've had a couple cracked, obviously. Um, but uh, sticks, you know, sticks have taken out a couple of my teeth, but never fully knocked right out, just broken in half. Yeah. You know, cut my one front one, my bottom one, like just, you know, you get it caught in the mouth. And that, again, that was when I wasn't wearing a mouth guard. Not that it probably would have made a big difference with the force that I got hit with, but um, my tooth just broke in half. I had strong roots. Last way, when they put when they took my wisdom teeth out, I think the dentist had to put his heel on my chin to pull it out. See, and the listeners to the show would know this. Uh, I didn't have to take any wisdom teeth out. You know why, Louie? Why? Never, never had any wisdom. <laughs> yeah, okay. I kind of ran right into that one. Yeah, bada bing. I'm here all week. Try the veal. Uh, so uh, a couple of years ago, Kevin Bieksa got one. I'm trying to, uh, for some reason, I thought he was fighting somebody in Nashville. And I could have sworn he had a tooth pop out in the fight because uh, they showed the slow-mo of it. But, uh, no, it's it, it it's it, it's remarkable the work the dentist, like, you know, we all know, we, we, we talk about the team docs, but, that, like, when you get hit in the puck, you know, in the face, uh, it hurts like hell. We all know that. Most guys tear up right away. What's the worst one that you recall ever seeing from a, a puck blast where a guy went down and, and blocked a shot or... Uh, were you on Were you on the ice in Dallas when Marchment fell into the open boards? Yep, I was. Were you scared? I was in that game. I was really scared. He's a good buddy of mine, as you know. And I just I wouldn't even go over and look at him because I didn't want to. I knew he was bleeding pretty bad, and I just didn't even I didn't even want to go stand over top of him. The medics were out there, and they had him, and they put him on the stretcher, took him off. Actually, I just talked to Brian the other day, and we had a good chuckle about some old time stories. But you know, he actually is involved in one of the the well, the worst slash best slash coolest pictures I've ever seen. And I know you've probably seen, you can pump it up online on Google. If you go and find it, you'll be able to find this picture. Brian was known as a just a massive hitter. And I mean, he was one of those guys that once he had you in the tracks, he would do anything in his power to hit you. And occasionally he would cross the line when he did. But you know what? He had Gino Ojic lined up, one of the toughest guys that ever played. I fought Gino a bunch of times and I have nothing but respect for that guy. He was ultra tough and Mush had him absolutely in the tracks, and he was going to blow him up right in the middle of the ice. He came way over, and at the last second, Gino saw him coming, and he put the cross-check up, and in the picture, you can see at least two teeth, like, flying through the air because they popped out of his face. Like, they've literally blown right out of the sockets. Like, it's just, I mean... That's the one thing about Mushville, right? And big hitters, for that matter, when they put themselves out there and they have you in the tracks at the last second, they're just as vulnerable as you are if you see them coming and somebody steps up and gives them the shoulder or stick or an elbow. Um, 
you have to be courageous to be a big hitter like that. And boy, did he ever blow up a lot of guys. But you know what? That one there, Gino got the best of. The, I don't even think there was a suspension. I think it was like I don't even know if it was a penalty to be honest with you. But I remember he was skating back with a mouthful of blood, no teeth, and they picked him up. And yeah, to this day, he still doesn't have those front teeth. I mean, they're gone. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I remember when he, because Don Cherry got on him a bit for a while. And then uh, I'm not sure you were still with the team, but they went into Toronto. And he went toe-to-toe with Ty Domi. And he waved the refs off twice to jump in. He's like, we're not done. We're not. And Ty's sitting there looking at him like, all right or not. Like, do you remember that one? Oh, very well. I was with the team, and I, I met, we, we actually talked to, I think it was, well, it was yesterday I talked to him, actually, not two days ago, it was yesterday, and we talked about that fight. We actually brought that fight up, and uh, yeah, you know what? He had a long history with Ty. You know, Ty was in Peterborough, he was in Belleville in the OHL and Junior when they played against each other, and they came up through the ranks, and they fought at almost every level. Like, they just, they just had this thing. They played together in Toronto, they got along fine, but when they were playing against each other, you know, I got to tell you, you know, I, and I know I'm biased, but Mush was one of those guys that uh, he would fight absolutely anybody. He was fearless. He didn't care if, he, if you beat him up, he'd come right back and he'd try and blow you up in the next shift with a big hit. He didn't care. And you know what? Um, I just love the way he played. Yeah, he went over the line. Yeah, he had some really dirty hits. There's no question about it. He was over the line. But that's how it was back then, and that's how he gained that reputation. But that was an amazing fight. And his dad was in the stands then, and I remember talking to his dad after the game. <laughs> he was mad at him because he thought he should have got the better of tie even more in that fight. He's like, you had him, and you, you kind of let him off the hook. It was a pretty funny conversation to listen to. You know, most of the time, parents, myself included, when your kid's getting fight. It's like you just want them to survive. But uh, Mush's dad was like, that 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 was a long history with Ty Domi, and he wanted to give it to him. But two great characters in the game. We're joined by Louis Dabrowski, is our headliner today for Touchback Safety. I know that, uh, Mush, I think you know this guy as well. I have a mutual acquaintance of uh, Brian's. Uh, that's Red Shaw. Red used to be in the jewelry business for years, and uh, I, I believe he's now kind of doing some sort of pharmaceutical health type thing. Real uh, real interesting guy, uh, you know, a smart guy, and he was buddies with Brian. You spoke about the dads. And let's transition into Darnell Nurse because we have that moment where he got into that fight with Max McCormick at Ottawa. And Darnell's dad, Richard Nurse, who played in the uh, uh, Canadian Football League and... uh, Darnell's mother is a former basketball player. Uh, Darnell's a terrific athlete from a family of great athletes. But you remember how uh, Richard Nurse reacted as Darnell was just pummeling Max McCormick in that fight. Yeah, he was, uh, well, and it kind of built as the fight went on. Because, you know, you could see him kind of step up. Okay, here he goes. Okay, here he goes. He's getting into, he's getting shots. And then he just, like, he was, you know, you would have thought he was in the fight. You know, he was he was involved in every punch that was thrown and taken. Every body movement that he made during that scrap, it was that was entertaining to watch. And, yeah, that's the emotion that comes out, right? I, I love that. I think that's great. And he's passionate. He wants his son to do well. He wants his son to win the fight. Obviously, if you're in a fight, you don't want your, your son to lose the fight. But he got ultra-passionate on that one. And I think it's great. I think it's awesome. You know what? They're a tight-knit family, and he wants them to do well. And Darnell, as we know, has, uh, has developed into one of the tougher guys in the league. As the fight goes on, watch out because he's getting better. Absolutely. It was funny. We bumped in in Montreal. Uh, we bumped into uh, Richard, and he had Wally Zatilny. Do you remember Wally that played for the Hamilton Ticats? 
He was a, uh, no. a okay. He was a he was a, a slot back. He wore number twenty one, and uh, Jack and myself uh, bumped into Richard and, and Wally, and, and he goes, "Yeah, this is uh, Wally." And I go, "Yeah, Wally's a Tilney. He wore number twenty one for the <laughs> and, and Richard just started shaking, and I looked right at him. I go, "I can't remember what number you are, but Wally's a Tilney." For our listeners out there that are CFL fans, they remember he was a pretty good player back in the late eighties, early nineteen nineties. On to uh, Darnell Nurse because. It's it's interesting. I, we we have some people out there that I think have placed limitations on Darnell, and we both know he's tough, Louis. My thing with Darnell is I'm not going to place a limitation on him because of how hard he works and how hard he works, and and that's why I don't bet against where he can go as a player. I still think he's got a lot of room for growth, and because of the relentlessness that he has in pursuing to try to improve his game, I think he might be able to do that. I'd like to get your thoughts on what you see out of him. I agree. You know, I, I I feel the same way. You and I have talked about this a number of times. And because, you know, to be honest with you, physically he's such a specimen and he works so hard in that regard to make sure that he's in tip-top shape and ready to go and he's working on aspects of his game. Anybody that works that hard in their game is going to continue to improve. And the best players in the game, and I'll take Sidney Crosby, for example, Connor McDavid, we see how he works on his skills every day. He's, you know, stick handling, he's shooting. I mean, it's a passion. It's a drive to, to continually try and work on things to make yourself even a little fraction of a bit better, which translates into big payoffs on the ice. And that's Darnell Nurse. And we've seen an improvement in his game. He can skate for a big man. He's tough. He's got the range. You know, early on, I thought maybe sometimes he got a little bit too committed to the check and, you know, you get a little ultra-aggressive, but that's something you can't teach, right? You can always pull that back a little bit. It's really hard to get a player to be ultra-aggressive when they're not aggressive. That's what most of the time coaches are trying to to get the players to be more of is more aggressive. But when you have a guy that already is aggressive, you try and just hone those skills and, and make sure that he's doing the right thing. You know, I had a real good conversation with Jim Playfair you know, this season about the defensemen, and he's done a real nice job with them, working with them, and just little tiny differences in stick positioning, the way you attack the puck, the way you attack a player with a puck in the corner, how you close that distance, come under control so that you can maneuver either way if a good skilled player makes a move. I mean, all these little things, it takes time in the National Hockey League to learn. This is not something that you can just jump in and have ultra success with typically. Even the best defensive defensemen typically take some time to develop. And I think for Darnell, there's always going to be that question of how much offense do you want from him? How much defense do you want from him? Because I do believe he can be the complete package. And he was in junior. And I got to do a, a playoff series with him, with the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds playing Connor McDavid's Erie Otters. And I'll tell you what, he was a beast in that series. He was unbelievable. And he's now starting to morph into that at the NHL level. And that's what every player wants to try and achieve is to be that dominant player they were in junior get to the next level, work on your skills, develop your, your strength and skills so that you can be that dominant of a player in the NHL. And, you know, he's on his way. I don't know if he'll ever get to the dominant level that he was in junior, but you know what? He's a real solid defenseman, and he's, you know what? There's still a big sky there. There's a big ceiling for him to gain. So I do agree with you there, and, and you're always kind of wondering because do you want him to be that ultra-competitive shutdown guy because he's physically strong, he can be a beast in front, or – you kind of want him to be the full package because we've seen him get a little taste of the power play when Oscar Kleffbaum was out. He did a nice job in there. He's a real versatile guy, and I think that's the most important thing for me anyway, my opinion, is you want to kind of make sure you're honing all those skills and allow him to be that type of the player.
We're joined by Louis DeBras from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. Louis, are you going to Toronto or are you going to Edmonton or you don't know yet? I'm still kind of, it's in the air, but I'm, I'm assuming I'd be in Edmonton if, if I'm going to be doing games, yes. Yeah. Are you, con- all right, so let's get to the next thing. I mean, I, I don't want to put you in the position because your son is obviously a member of the NHLPA. We had Brian Lawton on yesterday. He thinks, you know, 70% it'll get ratified by the players in support of the CBA extension and the return to play policies. Uh, you've been a, an NHLPA member yourself. Uh, guys are team team members. They're, they're team guys. How hard do you think it is going to be for players to opt out? Is that, you know, yeah. just because of the nature really, of hockey culture, really right? Yeah, really difficult. But there will be some, no question. I think there'll be some that, that have to. You know, I, mean, I, I think of people that maybe have some um, diabetes being one of them, that there's a, a, certainly a link with this with this pandemic that is something very much of a concern. Um, you have to seriously consider that, that if you get it, you could have serious complications. And then anybody, we don't know, you know, and we still don't know who, who it is has adverse effects on who it doesn't we really don't i mean it's it's kind of one of those gambles where you're saying okay listen you're putting yourself in a position where you might get this virus and you might have adverse conditions uh, effects from it there probably will be a good number of players that say you know i don't really want to go and do this right now they have family um that they have maybe relatives they have uh you know people that are that are close to them that are just you know that's a decision that every player is going to have to make individually. But I understand where you're coming from, and that's the most difficult thing for players is that when you have a group mentality, a team mentality, and you've got 15 guys that are saying yes, it's really, really difficult to be one of those you know, other guys that says no. It truly is because you want to be part of that team. You want to be a team guy, and there's a lot of peer pressure to, to make sure that you're on board and trying to go in and go to battle with, with the guys. Um, It'll be tough. You know, like I said, I don't think anybody's going to hold anything against any player for opting out. I certainly won't. I truly won't. And, I, you know, I'm old school as anybody. I love the old school mentality and all that. But right now, this is going to be an individual decision by every single person individually. And um, no different for you, Bob. If they say to you, you want to go to the rink and work, you're going to have to make that decision. Right? You're going to have to make that decision on your own. Um, based off of your lifestyle and what you're doing. And, you know, obviously you're going to have that, have that conversation with your family, and, and they're going to all have to do that too. So, yeah, it would be really tough to say no, but I think with – I just really think that with how long this has gone on and it's still continuing to be here, there's certainly going to be a number of players that opt out. Hey, Louie. Uh... I'm guessing. I, maybe there's not. Like in, I'm sorry. When I say opt out, maybe just not agree. They don't necessarily opt out. They might say, listen, I don't necessarily think this is a good thing, but they still might go through with it because if, it, if it gets voted in. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying opt out. There will be yep. a few players that certainly do opt out, but I think there will be a lot of no votes that we don't really know about, but if it's a majority yes, then they'll get on board and go play. Louie, my daughter is driving right now with my wife, and she just texted me. She said, there's no discussion. Get out of the house. You're going back to work. <laughs> don't yeah. want you around anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder if Cindy might, you know, squawk the tires when she drops me off at the building. I don't, I don't, you know, I'm wondering, you know. But don't let your don't. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, it, it really is. You know, we we make light of it, and you know, we try and you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, deal with this. But truthfully, it is everybody's decision individually, and I don't think any employer, any person, or any team, or you know, friends, whatever question anybody right now in this situation for saying, you know what, I just don't feel comfortable doing it. 
All righty. Awesome stuff, Louie. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. Take care. You bet. 12.53 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. When we come back in orders now, we're going to get to a couple tech. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Including one about Larry the Rock Zydell, one of the toughest minor pro players in history. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer. It's 1257 in Edmonton. Uh, I said we had a Larry Zydell story. For those of you that don't know, Larry the Rock Zydell played for the Edmonton Flyers. He was one of the toughest guys in minor pro hockey. Um, he ended up, when he came up with uh, the Philadelphia Flyers in expansion late 1960s, uh, Stan Fischler wrote about this in his book Slapshot. Uh, some LeBrun's players made some very dis- disparaging comments. Idell was Jewish, and there was a strong belief that there was uh, anti-Semitic comments directed his way. But Zidell was big-time tough. I mean, big-time tough. B.H., who played in the uh, Western Hockey League and uh, for the New York Slapshots, I believe, at one point, says, Bob, here's a good dad story for you. I fought Jay Zidell in one WHL training camp. His dad, Larry uh, Zidell of the Philadelphia Flyers, was up in the glass, uh, banging away and yelling. Mr. Zidell waited in the lobby for me. I was in panic mode. He yelled, hey, kid, nice fight, <laughs> and told Jay to get back in the car. <laughs> that, that kind of makes me laugh. That's uh, pretty funny. Hey, kid, great fight with my kid. All right. Uh, again, you can uh, text us at any time on our Ashley Fine Floors text line, 780-496-0063. All season long, the Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Wow, Jim Harrison and uh, Larry the Rock Seidel on the same show today. Uh, Trent Brown, former Edmonton Eskimo, maybe the best safety the Eskimos have had over the last 30 years, was an all-star safety, terrific player at the University of Alberta, 1993 Grey Cup champion, and Jim Brown, want to wish you the best. Stay positive during these challenging times. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Brian Burke up next for Canadian Power Pack. It's a Thursday. It's a truculent one. This is Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.